Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Assessing Organizational Ability to Support Client Self-Management. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on July 19, 2017. The webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with the SAMHSA-HRSA Center for, or- for Integrated Health Solutions and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Larry Fricks, Deputy Director for the Centers for Integrated Health Solutions, talks about implementing a culture of recovery. Thank you and welcome all. Next slide, please. I think before we <clears throat> talk about recovery, we got to think about how how big the impact and stigma is and discrimination. Rosalind Carter, a former first lady of the United States who has a mental health program, she says that it's still our biggest challenge. So, you know, even uh, with all the, you know, improvements we've made, you know, I think there's still, um, it's just something you've got to consider you're looking at uh, recovery. Some of the things that you can see when you go into a recovery culture, training and supporting peers to share their recovery story. Uh, our recovery story is, is one of our most important tools for connection and, and uh, you know, building a sense of, uh, of trust. And so It's very important that we be trained on how to tell our recovery story. Um, there were, you know, there's times when we tell that story and you know, we spend too much time in the, on the illness side. You know, we, we don't have succinct points to make uh, that, that you have, it gives the real impact. You know, like briefly describing your situation when you were having the most difficult time and what helps you move from where you were to where you are now? What did you do? What did others do? What have you had to do to overcome to get where you are today? And then what are some of the strengths and skills that support your recovery? Those sort of, um, uh, you know, questions help us really organize our recovery story. And so, you know, if, if you see that going on, and you see the uh, um, you know the support and also the skills for it, and you get a sense that uh, you know that there's an understanding of how important the recovery story is and how it um, differentiates us from a non-peer staff. And then focus on the strengths of an individual uh, rather than the illness. Um, you know, I, I you know I experienced this. Um, I mean, recovered from bipolar illness and and also addiction, and I, I just 
experienced over and over again that when somebody became aware of my diagnosis, and the behavior changed toward me, and they started just seeing me through that diagnosis. Now, this is a real issue, too, for uh, peers in integrated care. Um, you know, we're hearing stories that when uh, when peers you know, go to see a, a, a you know, like a, a primary care doctor and, this, and, and they see a diagnosis of schizophrenia or bipolar illness, that it is often a behavior change. And, you know, all of a sudden, some of the symptoms, they, they, they say, well, you know, I'm wondering, I wonder if that could be related to our illness. So I think this is really important um, because, once again, the stigma discrimination tends to have people focus on, uh, on our illness. And then ensuring the overriding theme in everything is recovery. Um, one of my favorite stories comes out of Michigan. Uh, there's a, um, a behavioral health program there that when, you, when you're in the lobby, um, there's a continuous loop of people telling their recovery story. So you know, even before you walk in to see, uh, a, a, you know, someone for treatment, you're being reminded of recovery and that, you know, all of us have recovery and you're hearing these stories. I think that sort of um, recovery theme and everything is important. And then promoting peer-led groups. Uh, you know, you look at AA that was founded in 1935, and one of its pillars is that people in recovery lead those groups. And so, you know, if I go into a program and I see uh, non-peer staff leading the groups, and I question, I question then and there, you know, what, you know, why aren't you having people's lived experience run those groups? And then um, promoting meaningful employment. Uh, I think employment is treatment. I thought that sounds strange, but so many of us can relate to, you know, you know, we were experiencing some recovery, but when we got meaningful work, you know, that's just, it just really added to our recovery. It gave us a sense of meaning and purpose. So, um, you know, and, and I got a real lesson in this. In Georgia, um, we founded the Georgia Mental Consumer Network about 27 years ago. And um, we founded the conference with uh, the main focus being on, on, you know, the attendees deciding what their top priority was. And almost every year it was employment. And so people were saying, you know what, I, I really don't need more time with my uh, psychiatrist. I really don't need different meds. What I need is what a sense of meaning and purpose um, employment brings to me. So we, um, you know, I, I mean, quite frankly, it was uh, that top priority employment, like Georgia invested in uh, Medicaid billable peer uh your support services, if we saw it as a possibility for people to get jobs. So, next slide, please. Um, you know, a, a, a goal that the individual owns is is a is a foundation to uh, recovery. You know, and I hear people say, um, "Well, you know, Larry Davidson, he, he just won't follow his." 
his treatment plan, you know, you, you know, and so it, if Larry owned it, if it was something that was built around person-centered planning, then he'd be more likely to participate. Ownership is, is key. Um, and, and, you know, also understanding um, the personal benefit of reaching the goal and ensuring everyone has input into program development and evaluation. You know, if, if, you, if you're in a program and it's obvious that um, the activities and, you know, what, what, what's going on there, um, you know, has, 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 the, has the input from people that, you know, use the services, you're going to see a much higher level of excitement and involvement. And then bringing in program graduates to tell their success stories. Now, it's just always uplifts me. You know, I I had uh, been hospitalized three times in the mid-'80s, and I'd really given up. I had, you know, there's a lot of losses often associated with mental illnesses. You know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, loss of your jobs. You know, my marriage fell apart. Um, You know, loss of self-esteem, loss of um, of, a sense that, um, my life could ever return to, uh, you know, a sense of fulfillment, and and it was um, it was peers that changed that. I went to a meeting of the uh, Depression and Bipolar Support Lines, and you know, having uh, having people share their success stories was a big factor. So in a program, you know, bringing in people. Uh, to share their stories, you know, is, is, is a big factor for hope. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a big uh, activator of self-management. And then employ the significant workforce of peer providers. There's just so much research out there, and, and Larry, Larry Davis has done a lot of it. But, um, you know, the lived experience and the connection and the trust from a peer, um, you know, is is, is, you know, there's mounting evidence that it, it may be the most important thing in activating self-management. So, you know, if you see that uh, and you see uh, a workforce of peer providers, you know that that program um, is, is investing in, 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 in recovery agents and then engaging in whole health activity. You know, the company's mind-body. For so long, people focused on focused on just just from the neck up. And um, what we know is it, it's the whole person you've got to look at in recovery. And so we're big on this whole concept of health and, uh, and and promoting the, uh, uh, the the whole person. Next slide, please. And then promoting trauma-informed services. You know, for years, people would not talk about trauma. They said it would re-traumatize us. And um, it's really been the people the, the lived experience of trauma who have demanded that that change. And so if, if, you, if you see that, um, you know, that, that that's being addressed, then you know you've got a program it is more tuned in to what's going on in people's lives. And then training consumers to write their own progress notes. 
there's no reason we can't write our own notes. Why, why, you know, why does a clinician have to write our notes? So, I, you know, we can be trained to do that, and then we have more ownership of it. And then educating staff and consumers on the definition and dynamics of recovery. You know, people don't know what recovery is, and you know, I think I think it's worth investing in in uh, in staff and and consumers you know, evaluating, looking at it, talking about it. You know, saying this is and this is not, and then. Uh, teaching skills for for problem solving. You know, most most peers um, have never been taught skills to problem solve. And if you're going to self manage, you know, you need a you need a skill to do that. And so, you know, when we train peer specialists, um, we we, uh, we include a problem solving uh, uh, approach that um, is you know it's, it lets you step outside of the problem and get more objective. And then, you know, there's steps that you can take um, to really get a hold of what the problem clearly is. A clearly stated problem is, you know, is most of the success. And lots of times people don't know how to, how to you know, clearly state that problem. And then teaching skills for combating negative self-talk. You know, negative self-talk, is, is, it just, you know, it just undermines recovery. Um, you know, somebody, if I, you know, if I have a negative self-image, you can come up to me and say nine positive things. But if you say one that's not so positive, I'm going to reach out and grab that one because that matches up with my self-image. And so, um, you know, because of student discrimination, uh, negative self-talk can, can really be an issue. I mean, everybody has negative thoughts and engages and negative self-talk. But that's not the problem. The problem is when it spirals downward and people end up to find themselves in absolute permanent negative language. And we teach skills uh, on how to, how to deal with that. Next slide, please. So at, at, the, at the Center for Integrated Health Solutions, we came up with a set of values for whole health self-management. Now, some of these you know, are, are closely related to recovery. But what we're trying to do is have people see recovery um, as, as a form of whole health, uh, looking at the whole person. So um, the first one is for whole health, all services support whole health, mind and body. And then hope, activating and sustaining hope for whole health is the expectation for all individuals served. And then strength-based. Services and supports focus on individual strengths and potential for whole health and peer support. Peer support is integral to all whole health planning services and ongoing support. Trauma-informed care. Services are trauma-informed, understanding, recognizing, responding to the removed traumatic life events, experiences, and effects on individual whole health. And person-centered goals. Individuals set whole health goals as a result of extensive person-centered planning that focus on their strengths, support, skills, values, culture, and preferences. But then shared decision-making. Um, it's just so important because there's a real power differential, um, you know, between a, uh, uh, let's just say a psychiatrist and, a, uh, and someone, you know, in recovery. 
you know, a lot of that, once again, goes back to stigma discrimination. Um, a lot of it goes back to the belief that can you ever trust our thoughts, especially if we've experienced psychosis. And um, so, you know, we teach a thing called shared decision-making, so that it becomes a partnership. You know, the, the doctor or, or the nurse may be an expert on uh, symptoms and, uh, you know, on, on, on medications. And we have to be an expert on self-management. Now, what we decide to do um, is, you know, if, that's what's going to happen if we decide what we're going to do. Uh, so shared decision-making, healthcare providers build partnerships with individuals receiving services, making informed treatment decisions together. And then self-management competencies. You have to develop skills, knowledge, and supports to promote whole health self-management. And then resiliency. Evidence-based resiliency factors that promote whole health are a foundation of services and supports. And and we um, we're big now on on, on resiliency factors because um, you know in my own recovery. Uh, you know, restful sleep was the key. When I when I learned from Dr. Fred Goodwin, that used to run National Institute of Mental Health, and he and he wrote the book Manic Depressive. He told me that um, that if I could manage my sleep, I was much more likely uh, to not have a manic episode. So it's been the bedrock of my recovery. And um, so you know, in our in our work, in our trainings, we introduce these resiliency factors. And interestingly enough, you know, there's mounting evidence that a strong support network may be the most important health factor in a person's life that trumps everything else. So paying more attention to resiliency, you know, we're kind of looking at secondary and tertiary prevention. And, um, you know, so it's very important to, uh, uh, to really understand what helps you be resilient and practice that. And then community resources and supports. Services promote community support, including family, friends, housing, employment, education, and recreation. So that wraps up the uh, my slides. Uh, we do have some resources. Um, we have a link to our peer providers on our CHS website. And we have the SAMHSA Wellness Initiative. And we have Whole Health Action Management, WAM. That's something I'm involved with training. And then I really like this toolkit uh, that came out of California, Meaningful Roles for Peer Providers in Integrated Healthcare. And then I always like to mention RAP, uh, Mary Co Marianne Copeland's work, Mary Ellen Copeland's work, excuse me. Um, it's, it's just been such a foundation for this whole concept of self-management. So thank you.